to the House of Learning podcast, produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we're taking an Advent look at the Everlasting Father. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. I have got uh, three people today and we're continuing looking at Advent. So I have uh, on my left, the man, the myth, the legend, first time on the podcast, which is bizarre actually. can't believe we've not had you before. Yeah, it's good to so be here. So Jonathan of Tate. Yes, hi. Hi everyone, how's it going? It's, uh, yeah, good to be here, good to chat. I like, like the sir. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Upgrade. Jonathan, that's my uh, official name. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> That's like the Sunday name, yeah. like when you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the long version. Yeah, maybe if I get some more letters yeah. attached to my name as well and accomplish some things in my life, I'll yeah. think about transitioning, but yeah. for now. <laughs> I feel like I've set the bar high. Uh, yeah. and, and Tim and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're here as well. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. So we're happy really to, just happy basking. to be on the team. Yes. Yeah. Basking in the glory of Jonathan. <laughs> we, but what we actually have is, I don't know what the group noun is, uh, a gaggle of fathers. Yeah, uh, a gaggle. I'm not a sure what it is. Dads. Um, yeah. Gaggle of dads. Um, so because this uh, Sunday, as we continue looking at Isaiah and these names, um, Everlasting Father is the one. And so, yeah, got some dads sitting around. Uh, and so, I want Tim, you're teaching. Yeah. So you've gone full nerd this week to prepare. Yes. So let's start with you. Um, I guess two questions spring to mind. One is... What's what's everlasting father actually mean? Is it like the eternal kingdom in Kung Fu Panda? Like, you know, is it just like yeah. a really, really good father? Like, does it mean <laughs> something specific? But the other is Advent. Isn't that all about the baby Jesus? Yeah. Like, why are we talking about the father? Was that is that weird at all? Like, what's the what's the Advent vibe here? So give us the inside scoop on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a part of it is, is because we approach this text, you know, 2000 years after Jesus and um, we we look backwards at a moment and and have to kind of interpret it through now the lens set of knowing oh yeah Jesus came and he was a baby um, but obviously this prophecy was given way before that and was looking forward to a Messiah you know this one that was going to come and there was qualities about this Messiah um, in fact Keithan talked several weeks back about kind of how some people think about and talk about the the gospel like a multi sided diamond you know and it's got different facets mm. to it and. In many respects, that's what's what Isaiah is doing. He's talking about this Messiah coming, and there's all these ways of describing the Messiah. Uh, and one of those ways is to talk about him as this everlasting father, which gets kind of confusing to us a little bit because this is Jesus we're talking about. And so it's like, wait, does this mean that the Jesus, that when we think about Jesus, that we should be thinking about the father? And I don't I don't think that's the intent uh, that Isaiah was going for necessarily. Mm-hmm. And obviously we now have hindsight to look backwards on it. But I think it was Jesus's own words himself where he says like, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is, I, right. I actually have come to live a life out in front of you that shows you what the Father looks like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what Isaiah is pointing forward to is there's this, there's this time coming where, where a man will come uh, to be our Messiah, and he will perfectly represent the Father to us. Now, that 
one of the things that obviously just like kind of lights off the page there is that he's not just any father, he's an everlasting father. And there's something about his permanence, something about the fact that he's always been and he always will be. Um, you know, you think about even just the, the cultural narrative that we have right now of, of the fact that fathers are unreliable or, or the fathers aren't present, or if they are present, they're just not very kind of there, you know, um, maybe they're just working all the time or whatever. But there's something about this everlasting father, this Messiah who's coming, who represents who the father is perfectly, and he's always there. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, that beautiful kind of pulling together of, of you know, so this is why we're talking about everlasting father at Christmas when we're thinking about baby Jesus. Yes. Because as weird as it seems, Jesus was, to rip off Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yep. So he's exactly. this perfect revelation of the father i love the everlasting part as well it's like in our culture it's really easy to think oh yeah he just he's the one who won't abandon us Mm -hmm. because that's our major problem that we you know might talk about or notice but the timeline going the other direction is also like you know if you're the 10th child in a family and it's like a different dad for every kid right you know there's just like confusion and messiness and you know, mixture of cultures and um, values. and But actually, this is the father who's been fathering this family since he kicked off creation. Yeah. You know, so there's like, there's a longevity of a heritage of he's fathered the circumstances I actually got brought into as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that it's both ways. Both directions. So, um, we've got... Uh, dads sat around the table then, and so is I. And this I'm letting the cat out of the bag. This is your idea, not mine. <laughs> but Tim's idea was like there's something about maybe becoming a dad and that experience and the challenge of that that might level up your awareness of like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what my heavenly father's like. Like it provokes you to uh, think, you know, about that stuff. And so hopefully it is a good idea because I'm now going to ask the dads. <laughs> Let's start with Dave because he's been quiet so far. Chief Elder Dave. Mm-hmm. Did becoming a dad provoke like a fresh awareness of the fatherhood of God for you? Did it make you think about it and, I don't know, it, lock you in on it? Yeah, that's, that's such a... Just even when we say that name father, it just, I think for so many of us... Um, conjures up a lot of motions and thoughts, um, and I think when when I became a dad, I have three beautiful children now, all adults. Um, I, I think it did it. Just even witnessing the birth was a to me a very <laughs> spiritual and kind of uh, you know it, it. It somehow was like wow, I'm a I'm a part of something really big here. Mm. Um, and just even the miraculous way that God chooses to bring new life into the world was just such a beautiful moment for me and kind of awe-inspiring and definitely made me think about the eternal. And now there's this in the uh, in the realness, though, of parenting. John, you're, you're right in the beginning days of this. It's, mm-hmm. it's real, right? And, it's, and it stretches you physically in ways of sleep deprivation and just even the, the simple 
thing that that parenting I often when I when I uh, get to officiate weddings sometimes I always talk about marriage being your entryway into death <laughs> just being that death to yourself <laughs> and now I'm no longer just I'm no longer just you I, know I hope you explain it when you do that <laughs> that's, just, that's my one line there's a little bit it tends, right, this party, guys. It tends, yeah, there's cake in the back it, so it tends enjoy. to be you know a real uh, cheerle- cheerleader there um, but no I do explain that a little bit but in in some ways in parenting is kind of your master's degree of dying to yourself as mm-hmm. well right it's just the new level so in that way I think it just reemphasized. We start talking about our Father, uh, our Heavenly Father, and what He's like. Well, as Philippians clearly points out, He came to serve, um, and that at the at the core is the heart of a father. It's like if we want to be like our Heavenly Father, it's like a servant. Um, and so, yeah, it it tied in all those emotions for me, mm-hmm. and then obviously gave me a physical opportunity to actually walk that out yeah. um, as a father, as a Love dad. That. I love the witnessing the birth part, especially because when you said that, I was like, yeah, I wonder what it felt like when God created Adam, you know, that's the whole thing is like, oh, this is very good. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, yeah. how does that reflect that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, the mix of emotions of like, oh, wow. And, oh, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they're. And yeah, thank you, God, that uh, I'm not a woman, and yeah, because yeah, I yeah, could, don't yeah. think I could do that. Yeah, so absolutely. such great respect, too, for my wife immediately yeah. of, of all that a woman has to go through in giving birth, which yeah. is such a beautiful thing. But uh, yeah, there'd be far yeah. less children in the world if men were responsible yes, to, that is to walk that out. That so Well, let's, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, talking of recent births. So, John, Emery is a month old. Mm-hmm. So this is like the becoming a father for the first time this is like super fresh for you yeah and also what's probably fresh uh, although sleep deprived so i don't know how fresh but yeah you know you've sat in that season of anticipation and so what was that like for you like did did god as father come into like new focus for you yeah definitely um it's kind of fun like even being here just because like a lot of this is fresh processing for me, mm. um, you know, and even like the invite I got from Tim, like this, um, you know, in the midst of like new parenting and stuff, a lot of it has been very like functionally focused, right? You're, like you said, Dave, serving, right? Every day, every night, you know, whether you're watching the game, whether you're <laughs> making dinner, no matter what, like the minute she needs something, you know, it's either myself or Bryce that runs to her, right? And I think that in itself is very powerful, but very simple. Um, but it's fun to like process this out loud because, um, yeah, even the minute like she was born, like it's like this huge, like, uh, yeah, breath of fresh air of one that anticipation, which like for nine months you've been like, okay, in theory, there's a baby coming like, and like, Lord forbid anything happens. And like, you know, um, but it's, it's surreal, right? You're like, okay, my wife's getting bigger. It's exciting. Like, I, you know, you're starting to figure out what that means. You know, you're chatting with friends around you that are fathers and you're figuring out like, okay, what does this idea of fatherhood look like? And then once it's finally here, it's like this like surreal, overwhelming, like wash of emotion of thing like, wow, this like child is like officially with us and like it's ours and it's ours, you know, and that's, it's beautiful. And I remember just like weeping, you know, and just like being so overwhelmed and like humbled. Um, and I think that's the word that I just continue to come back to like time and time and time again. It's just like how humbled I am that like 
I gotta be a dad. I gotta get like this child and I have like this wife that is incredible. And that like somehow the Lord chose me to like be a part of this. And uh, yeah, it's really like made me aware of my humanness, one, but then mm-hmm. two of like how good the father is because like, and I don't want to give away all my my gold here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just stretch it out over the podcast. Yeah, on Sunday. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just talk a little slower. No, um, but it, it's really made me aware of my humanness and like selfishness, like you mentioned, Dave. And mm. um, within that, like, even all the love that I have for her, all the love that I have for Bryce, like, if that's what I give, and like within my brokenness, like, how infinitely abundant is it from the Father, mm. and that. Is perplexing to me. Yeah. Mm. Isn't it interesting, like, metaphors of fatherhood, motherhood, and being children abound throughout Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so deeply intertwined with God's way of doing things. And, like, for us, uh, like, your experience of, like, uh, I just got so humbled. Yeah. Right? Um, can really associate with that. Um, but the Father, the Heavenly Father, He already has the humility, like that heart of like wanting to serve. And I just find it really interesting that in us, we get the experience of caring for a new child and becoming a parent. And that humbles us. But actually God has that kind of heart. And, you know, the members of the Trinity have this relationship um, where they like love, serve each other, you know, in, in these ways, uphold each other. And out of that perfect humility, God's like, actually, he expresses it by, I'm going to be a father to a creation. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, like, there's, there's some sort of deep theological connection um, that I can't quite, like, wrap my hands around. But those mm-hmm. two seem so connected. It's just interesting that, I don't know, God's chicken and egg, and we're egg, then chicken. Like, it's like, it's the other way around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I, yeah. but I, there's, there's something about that that may be, gives us a window into understanding our father a bit better, which is, mm-hmm. that's what drew you to that question, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What What about for you, Tim? Like becoming a dad? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a part of that, that journey where you're, um, you, like Dave already said, actually both Dave and John were both talking about how there's there's something about you begin to think about this other person with a level of like healthy otherness. And it's almost like in a way that you've never experienced before, like there you care for them so much that you're willing to like set down anything. You know, I I remember uh, when our third was, when Mackenzie was born and we had two little ones already. So like (laughs) Mackenzie was born like less than a year after Kelton. And so there was like, Mm. we basically had three babies in our house all at one time, but none of them were twins. Uh, and it was crazy. And, um, we, I remember when it was time for Brit to go, uh, to the hospital, having such a deep awareness of my own complete, like self forgetfulness. Like I, it was probably one of the first times and maybe even one of the only times in my whole life where I just remember being so other focused. Like I just emptied myself in such a weird way where it was like, I don't, I don't actually don't care what I'll, I will do whatever it takes mm-hmm. right now to, 
help make sure my wife is okay to make sure that this baby comes into the world as a, and to care for my two boys. Like it was like, it was, and I, and I almost had like a surreal moment of pulling back and looking at myself going like, this is how the father works with the son. Like when Jesus like s- empties himself, it's like this, it's an emptying that's completely other. Like I am for my father's purposes and the father's for the son. And, and it's like a, I don't know, like all of our life feels like a living metaphor to, to how God, I mean, when we're at our best, it, it's like a living metaphor for how God functions in society. I think he's so for us. Mm. Um, he lays down so much uh, in order for us to be uh, who we need to be. And I, I think sometimes we forget that. And yeah. there's, a, I, I think, a keen awareness when you step into parenting, whether it's as a mom or a dad, where you begin to realize like, this isn't about me. Like it's not about me. Mm. And I, I think when we as humans begin to think that way, we're getting closer and closer to the divine. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, you're describing part of the fundamental battle of the brokenness of humanity. Yeah. Is, I mean, you know, we throw the word pride around, but it's a kind of dysfunctional world in in our culture now, because actually it's not, that much of a negative term uh, right. anymore um but oh making it all about me that's another way to describe part of the problem in genesis mm-hmm. 3 in the fall you know okay so uh, i'm just because i know the verse that you you sort of grabbed a hold of to anchor like how we can answer this question yeah but you sat there with your bible you're like, okay, Jesus, what are we going to do this Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much like every chapter has something to say about the Father. Yeah. So yeah. like, why go to First Thessalonians 2? And and it's okay to answer, well, I prayed and God put it on my heart. But yeah. like, what's the story? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Because that's a kind of overwhelming sermon prep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's seriously. And when you're starting to like even explore, like you said earlier, Richard, the the where is like, you know, parenting and fathering and mothering and sonship in the Bible, well, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like you open up the Bible, and it's on almost every single page. It's kind of like God invented family. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's a powerful, uh, a powerful reality. Uh, to be honest, I mean, one answer is literally God did put it on my heart as I was praying. Um, but the other part of it is, is that I have just spent so much time in the life of the church and um, this, this, the passage in First Thessalonians two is like, it's kind of a go-to verse when I start thinking about the nature of what family is and what church is, and like God, we we think of church as kind of almost like an institution and an, an organization, and yeah, and God like a religious business, yeah, like a religious business exactly. And yet God, when He approaches people, humanity, uh, He sees sons and daughters, and um, I think that that that's part of the reason why family is such a huge metaphor in the scripture for both the people of God in the Old Testament, but also uh, for the church in the new. And so a few passages kind of like boil it down so clearly as these passages in, in, in first Thessalonians and Paul does such a great job. And it's especially interesting because Paul, as I mean, to our knowledge was never a father, you Mm. know, um, and uh, obviously he was never a mother either. So like, so from him, he's moving through these metaphors of mother and father in, in first Thessalonians from 
via the the Holy Spirit and via his experience of being a part of a family and via his experience and he and he's literally using himself uh, and the and his other disciples as examples of like this is what it looks like when you function this way mm-hmm. and it's all familial language yeah uh, which is what makes it so, to me is what makes it so beautiful because it's like oh hey Paul got this he wasn't even a dad so he clearly knows how to like this is what the this is how the father functions hey follow me as I do that you know yeah. so it seemed really natural yeah that's so beautiful it really makes me think of uh, like people who not just don't have children, but especially are in the tragic spot of wanting to have children and can't have children. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, they're not married or, you know, there's fertility issues or, you know, it could be a whole host of things. Um, it'd be really easy to feel like, oh, man, God's, like God's way of teaching us this stuff is to, like, get us married and give us kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and Paul is, I'm so glad you said that. So then Paul's a shining example for us of, like, well, that stuff helps, but actually one of God's primary ways of teaching us this is by putting us in a church. Yeah. And so, and that's something that everyone has access to. And so it breathes a bit of hope. But it's really important that that's a part of the jigsaw because sometimes we, you know, if, if we just talk about being a parent and that's the only thing we talk about, there's like a whole swath of people that get ostracized, mm-hmm. you know, from the hope that that's, you know, something that's relatable for them. Uh, the church thing, because I, I want to ask, we've got the two co-chairs of our elder board here. So Wait, who invited them to the table? Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, if I don't ask this now, it's kind of like a little off topic, but I'm not sure how we would come back to it. But it's almost like becoming a father question. But like when you guys became elders, and as you guys have walked through being an elder, I'm just interested, like, is there anything then, you know, with this family and church overlapping, you know, set of concepts that um, being an elder and thinking of God as the father has sort of helped uh, connect and enrich those two. Oh, I, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I think it was Paul who said, I think, in Corinthians too, and it's interesting, Tim, that, that, that you do, we are, we're talking about Paul here, who was not, as far as we know, an earthly father, but it was he who said, I believe, you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, but not many fathers. Mm-hmm. And that was Paul. Um, and so I have, I had um, my own journey with my father was an interesting one. And I've had a very blessed relationship with my father-in-law, who's just a, a, a man who I just esteem mightily. But I always appreciated, and, and I saw... Um, uh, my both my father and mother-in-law, oftentimes with with young people in the church, they would they would make this comment after me, "We just want to adopt them," mm-hmm. you know, and it became kind of this running thing. But mm-hmm. it was real; it was true. And there's something in that that um, eldering and serving as an elder is again it, it involves a lot. Um, I think at the core. It's, it's, it's really, and anytime you, you, you see the word leader um, in the Bible, substitute the word servant, I think you got a pretty close, uh, yeah. you know, uh, understanding of what, what they're asking for there. Um, and, uh, but it, it is, as, as an elder, you're, you're just a servant, and, but a big part of that is the heart of a father, of just, this is my family mm-hmm. um, that God has called me to and entrusted me with. 
um, and, and it's different than your own natural children. I think to some degree you don't really control, <laughs> right? Who you know who your immediate family is, but you do have some control, you know, over over your extended family in the, in the church family. And in that way, it's a, almost a more beautiful thing in some ways because it's like it's, it's kind of like kids who have been adopted rather than naturally born. It's like, yeah, we chose you, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, there's there's absolutely that aspect of fatherhood as an elder. Um, I think if if we don't have that as elders, we're completely missing missing yeah. the mark. What about for you, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I think real simply, you you look at even the the passages that we often will lean on to talk about what does it mean to be an elder, and they're all preceded by like passages dealing with like old men mentoring young young men and older women mentoring younger women, and I, I think the Bible links together the idea of uh, of that familial. Um, hey, to, to be a leader, to, to walk alongside somebody as a, an example maybe mm-hmm. m- means to be in a parental kind of a relationship. And, um, and I, I definitely think, man, I mean, especially like you said, Dave, when you link the idea of servant into, into that, which is obviously everywhere in the scriptures, I mean, we are, we're called to step in uh, in a way where, again, we're, we're setting aside self. It's about self, kind of self-forgetfulness in a lot of respects. Um, that's an idea I stole from some other pastor somewhere. But, um, but learning how to like think less of, of of yourself and think more and more of who God's put in front of you and, and love them well. And I, honestly, I can't think of too many places in my life that sh- that example that more than being a dad and being an elder. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Those are like the two, the two places is like, Oh yeah, they, they, this is where you like, you set yourself aside and you say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do here? And how do I love these people? Well, yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's where that, yeah, that's where I would go with that for sure. Yeah. And not, I, this does join up actually with first Thessalonians, but in, by, by way of almost a contrast, like when people get eldering, wrong or just misunderstand the church yeah if you if your ecclesiology is wrong then being an elder can become about building an organization and an empire and instead of like love and servanthood the things in the foreground can be like to protect the organization protect people to make decisions to have the power you know yeah um and i I, and i think actually uh culture western culture but american culture especially there's still a very prominent stereotype of fatherhood which is about power decision making and protection yeah but if we go to first thessalonians they're kind of absent Mm -hmm. and so it's a real interesting uh it should be a surprise to us uh culturally um, if it's not a surprise to you, good, Jesus has been teaching you. you know, that's a good <laughs> yeah. thing. But yeah. when you look at culture and be like, oh, wow, like that's re- this is really different. Um, so maybe someone should read First Thessalonians and we can have a, have a little look at the ingredients of being a father that yeah. come out here. Here, I'll just pull out the one verse. Uh, it, yeah, when I say read First Thessalonians. Yeah, I won't read <laughs> not the whole time. <laughs> that would be the rest of our podcast <laughs> yeah. together. Uh, but yeah, so basically, you know, Paul runs through all this familial language and then he gets and he literally talks about being a child and he talks about being a mom and then um, he hits this verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 uh, verse 11 he says for you know 
that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So there's like an assumption built in that this is how fathers deal with children. Uh, And verse 12, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so there's kind of these three major ideas, one being uh, that of an encourager, like good fathers encourage, and the second being comfort, good fathers comfort. They're like the, the shoulder to put the head on. Uh, and then third, good good fathers exhort or they urge to live lives worthy. So they mm-hmm. disciple and they mm-hmm. they help their kids know how to, this is what it looks like to, to, to go hard after Jesus and to, to learn how to become all that God wants you to be. So, yeah. I, and I love it. it's all like growth language yeah. directed at the child. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to come to John because, well, you've been quiet for a while and, you know, you're sleep deprived. I want to make sure you're still awake. It's always dangerous. Yeah. So uh, quite unfairly, in some ways, Tim called you and sent you some homework. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hey, I know you haven't slept for a month, but what do you think about this? It felt like an easy yes. Just catch him while he was tired. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I just want to affirm like... John and Bryce are doing amazing. I remember when we had our first kid. Like, oh if you'd goodness. asked me to do this, I would have just cried down the phone for you. It just said, <laughs> I just said, you were asleep. <laughs> so, yeah, podcast and showing yeah. up on Sunday and not falling asleep on the stage. Like, well, yeah. ho- hopefully, we'll see because we're yeah. recording before Sunday. Yeah, I normally go to the 11, so yeah. we'll see how the we'll night, see how the night goes. Poke you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how the lighting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what was the one for you, to th- the aspect for you to think about here? And, um, yeah, what, like, I'm interested, what were your first impressions, you know, as yeah. a new dad did it? Because that's, I think, really different for the rest of us to our my mind may go back to stories and episodes of being a dad. But you're sort of looking forward, so you've got such a different perspective mm-hmm. than us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, tell us, give us the... I don't know, ins- inside out kind of like led us into your yeah. brain and yeah. like what, what this what this was like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was assigned the um, the comforter word, adjective, um, exploration, so to say it. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, like it was it was interesting to start kind of unpacking the last, you know, month or so of like what does this actually look like? Um, and kind of like I alluded to earlier, um, a lot of it is just like being a servant, you know, and like being willing to put down what whatever you're doing and like you know you're watching the show I'm watching you know, Monday Night Football whatever it is um, my first priority is getting her settled getting her like fed or making sure I'm caring for Bryce um, as she's doing some of those motherly duties that I might not be able to uh, but you know you're always thinking like how can I you know make you happy how can I make you comfortable how can I make you settled how can I make you uh, pretend like you're smiling at me at least, you know, we're kind of getting there now. We're, we're starting to see bits of personality. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, she's always top of mind, you know, and, um, kind of like Richard, you said there, it's like, we have been blessed with an amazing child. And so like, I've been able to go like golfing occasionally or like go out with some of my buddies and, um, it's it's weird how she feel like any other new parents listening. There should be a helpline you can call yeah. Yeah. right now. <laughs> should we just edit that out? <laughs> you got to go golfing. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, yeah, even in those moments, as like refreshing as it is to be <clears throat> out, like to be with my friends, like to quote unquote not think about baby, like you're still thinking about her. You know what I mean? And you're still checking with with Bryce and making sure she's doing okay. Um, and you know, again, like I said 
it, it's made me realize how like human I am and like how selfish I am like, mm-hmm. as we've all kind of been talking about. It. Um, but within that, you know, kind of as I was thinking through my homework, um, this process, the kind of the scripture that really came to my mind was Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, um, 25, gosh, 25 through, through 34. It talks all about like, you know, how the father cares for the birds, mm. you know, all of the different pieces in the world and like the soil and how birds don't think about what they're going to eat, you know, like plants, flowers, they don't think about what they look like. Uh, but like we do, you know, and within that, as much as we care about that, how much do you think like the father's going to care about that? And it was crazy to me because re- reading that before Emery, I was like, that's a good idea. I like that. It's really sweet. I love that. But now like reading it again and like even like as like the spirit put that back into my heart, it's like, wow, like that, it takes a whole new meaning. Like as a lot of what we were saying already, because like she has no idea like what she's gonna be interested in i have no idea what she's gonna be interested in but i care about it already you know and like i don't know who her friends are gonna be but like i care about it already and like as much as a like i care about her i'm still selfish right i still want to go golfing i still want to do these things and so within that it again makes me realize like how much of a comforter and how like good our father is because of like how weak i am and how much i care how much more can he care like how much more is he paying attention to this moment and like mm-hmm. who she is and what she's going to be and who I am and how I'm going to continue to progress and have grandbabies eventually, hopefully one day. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I love that. It, it is that strange experience of like, you may not want to, you may prefer mm-hmm. to go watch TV or go golfing or take a nap or yeah. a million things, but you don't get to say no. Mm-hmm. Because you have this fragile little thing that you have to keep alive. And not keeping it alive is just not an option. Yeah, And it just draws something out of you. But there is like a, a manifestation of God in that. Mm-hmm. Like God loves us so much. Like letting us go is just not an option. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that, uh, that experience of like cannot say no... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so far, right? Because the enemy does such a good job of making us, you know, think. I wonder if God would. Like, I wonder if God would answer my prayer or talk to me about that or help me with that or provide for that or, you know. And and yet, actually, that's that's not how God has revealed himself. That's not the kind of God he's revealed himself to be. Yeah. It's amazing, too. Like, that passage is such a beautiful one because of it's such an... Jesus's language is so assumptive. Like he's just assuming, like, it's just like, well, like God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the lilies. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. of course he's going to take care of you. Like, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a, you know, of course he's, and it's, I think it's totally connected to what you're saying, John. Like it's because how much more is God's like holy nature, like his ability to comfort, his ability to care is so much greater it's this beautiful language. Yeah. You said a lot better. I like that. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to snip that in for Sunday. I'm glad we were doing a dry run. That's good. <laughs> Do you know the other thing listening to you that really struck me is the sort of proactiveness of your comfort, right? Like she's not going to come to you yeah. and interrupt you and be like, oh, hey, I need some comforting right now. Yeah. Which but on where, some level I'm looking forward to. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. But, yeah. but um, when I think about like 
just in life with like friends, neighbors, community, church, things like that, when we talk about like, oh yeah, like someone needs comfort, it tends to, because we have this cultural thing in the West of like, you know, you're your best when you don't need to impinge on anyone else's life and you're yeah. self-sufficient and you have it all together. And and so when someone needs comfort, it's like something's gone horribly wrong or it's an emergency or a last resort or something like that. But you're describing a situation of like, no, I just have to be continually on, yeah. tuned in, like looking, proactive. Um, and that... I, I don't know the answer, but it just made me think like, oh yeah, like I, I bet that's more what God's comfort, like his heart of comfort to us is actually like, mm. not like, hey, dude, if you totally drop the ball and screw it up, you can come and I'll comfort you. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, that continual presence. Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, when we get over our pride and over the enemy's lies that God isn't always going to show up, then we shouldn't be surprised that when we remember and turn to God, because we do have that little bit, right, where we're sometimes surprised we turn to God and he's like, he comforts us and we're like, oh, thank goodness. Like I was, That's right. I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. But actually, like your little baby can always be sure what's going to happen, mm. you know? Yeah. That, so that, So, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to inhabit that baby space. Like, how can we inhabit that baby space towards our father? Mm -hmm. Like, really lean into that. Um, there's something to level up in in our expectations of God's comfort there, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One to ponder. I was mm -hmm. just, if I could jump in, I mean, I think about it. I serve at youth on Wednesday nights. Um, like, a privilege to be a part of that. And I have been taking a bit of a break, you know, with baby. I think that's fair. But, you know, to that point, it reminds me of like the way the Holy Spirit interacts with us, you know, mm -hmm. and like oftentimes I show up at youth and like, I'm like, all right, I mean, I don't have an agenda for sure. Um, but, you know, just being present and knowing that the Holy Spirit is close um, mm -hmm. allows me to comfort, like comfort and know that when there is or, or if there's a hard situation or, um, you know, I need wisdom and something like that, I know the Holy Spirit's close. Like that presence is there, similar mm -hmm. to how, you know, we don't leave our baby alone. Um, and so knowing that like that Holy Spirit is close, that Holy Spirit is like around, the Father's around, um, is incredibly like comforting thinking back to my time at youth and like serving here at the church. Um, and it's something that I think that, yeah, a lot of us can like lean on to because like, yeah. you're not going to leave a little yeah. baby. All right? And we're, we're God's little babies, if we can say that in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. Mm. It, I mean, it joins up. You know, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah. I'm going to send you a comforter. You know, a again, it's that sort of like the Holy Spirit isn't there to comfort us. But like, oh, you need you need some comfort so you can go and be independent again. Mm -hmm. Like that's not actually the dynamic. Mm -hmm. The dynamic is one of like you're going to feel safe because you're never alone. Mm -hmm. Because I'm it's always good. with you. Yeah. And that comfort you know, brings that safety. Yeah. I, I want to flip the comfort safety bit on its head because I, I wonder if our experience as dads might teach us something about how we can go wrong with our Heavenly Father. So hopefully little Emery has not, <laughs> not been sort of willfully doing this yet, but looking to the people with older kids, <laughs> sometimes your kids don't want your sa safety and comfort yeah. and you know things like that. Is there anything you feel like you learned watching your kids where you're like, oh man, I'm like like I'm like that with my father in heaven. 
you know, because we can. This is getting kind of personal, Richard. Push yeah. back. <laughs> so time for a break. We we can we can re- we can resist God's comfort, right? Resist oh, His presence. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Um, yeah, a lot of things come up in that, and um, uh, but I the the thing about his presence. Cheryl and I laughed all, all through the years as we were raising our kids and you know we we raised them, you know, we 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 taught about family values and doing chores together and we do this because we're all family and we're part of it with mixed results <laughs> in terms of keeping the room clean and helping clean up after the meals and doing chores. Um but it was remarkable to us when they would go to friends' houses and then we'd hear reports from the parents, other parents, like, oh, we just so enjoyed having your kids over. They were so helpful and they helped clean up. And I'm like, whose kids were these? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is so, totally a thing. Yeah, totally. And, and Cheryl and I talked like, about Are you sure? About you're you're thinking and, of the right exactly. kids? <laughs> and even as adult kids, when they come home now, which we love, but it's like they just resort to being slobs again. And we're like, what is with this? Because their own homes now are immaculate. Their cars immaculate. Um, but I think we all need that place to just know that we, we can just go and completely be ourselves and know we're going to be loved, mm-hmm. seen, and accepted. And because that's the heart of the Father. But so sometimes uh, it's not exactly what you were asking, but I think sometimes I wrestle with that because um, the thing that I that that kind of overarching thing that that I was prompted to just latch on to is when you you look at Jesus' interaction with people while he was here on this earth, and I thought specifically of uh, the woman caught in adultery um, and the woman he encountered, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he told them, he, he obviously saw them, and he let them know that he saw them and knew them. It's like, I, I know who you are. The, the woman at the well was like, you know, so go get your husband. She goes, well, I'm not married. Yeah, that's right. You've been, you know, you've had multiple marriages. The one you're living with now is not your husband. So, but her response wasn't, somehow Jesus did it in such a way that it wasn't with shame. It was just, I see you. And we're not going to ignore the reality of, of your situation right now. But then there was always, though, a calling to your more than that. Mm-hmm. And th- there was the, the woman at the well rushed back to her community and said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did, <laughs> you know. Um, and so he, he, he didn't ignore, again, the brokenness. But there was yet a calling. There was, so there was an acceptance verse and then a calling to something higher. You're more than this, and I have more than, than what you have, and it's all right here. So um, I just think of that often because I, I think for me, getting back to kind of to the, the heart of your question, Richard, I think was, and, and comment was, um, I think I run sometimes because of shame, mm. and I forget the Father's heart. Yeah. It's like, no, if you just turn to Him... That will take care of it, you yes. know, and and you can find healing and to move forward in that place. So I think a lot of the times I and maybe we collectively hide and turn from God in shame. At the very moment he's saying, No, 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 no. Come yeah. do just the opposite yeah. is what we should be doing. Yeah. It's such a struggle for us to really realize and live in the reign of grace. Yeah. Right. For sure. It's it, yeah. 
we constantly keep i don't know it, it, it evades our perspective so easily. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I've got it. Like, oh, yes. yeah, I have yes. a moment. I understand. Oh, I can come to God with yes. no shame. Yes. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh, why am I acting that way again? You to know? understand the Father's love, um, this is where I get got convicted and always continue to get convicted at times. It's just like, as a father, am, am I loving because they have, quote unquote, pleased me? Uh, or have earned that uh, in some way, or am I withdrawing because they did something that's like, you know, rebellious or whatever, or or, or just silly. And again, I I then project that onto our Heavenly Father, um, you know, as well, thinking that, oh, he's, I, I, I messed up and he must be displeased. I need to, uh, work to get into his good graces. I need to get back and get on my to-do list before I can have that mm-hmm. intimacy back. And, and obviously that is just not the heart of yeah. our heavenly father, but as humans that we, we, we miss that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a nice segue into your homework. Yeah. Which was encourage. Yeah. Because you, you just gave a list of some of the most profound things that we allow to discourage us. Yeah. And so, yeah, when Tim said, hey, as a, as a dad, like, how have you learned, oh, our Heavenly Father, like, this is how he encourages, yeah. this is what he's like. So what did that stir in you? Because that's, yeah. in, in many ways, we can know the truth of grace and things like that. But um, encouragement is like a fuel that can get us somewhere. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I think for me, again, it ties back into this uh, of, of being accepted and Jesus calling out potential in us. So mm. as an earthly father, I, I told Tim this story, but I walked into uh, Jake's, our youngest. We had three. Um, he was still in a, in a crib, so he must have been, but he was pushing two. And I my, typically I would go in before I went to bed and just check on the kids, make sure they were uh, still breathing <laughs> and safe. And, yeah, um, but sure. just, just pray over them quick. Um, yeah. And so I was just in Jake's nursery. It was just all dark, and I just was praying over him. And I, the Holy Spirit came to me so intimately and profoundly, because as I was praying, and especially I had my, my two older or girls, and then the, the, we had Jake, the boy, and there's just something different about raising uh, uh, girls and boys that are both so beautiful, and I'm so blessed to be able to have experienced both. But there's something sometimes about a boy that's like, okay, I'm going to raise him in my image. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're going to do this together, and he's going to, you know, you know. And and God was just just again, as the Holy Spirit does, gently but very profoundly saying, Dave, he's mine. I've, I've got him, and I've got some very profound things in, in store for him. Mm. And so the encouragement part, uh, Richard, to your question was, um, even in their worst days of being the voice of the Father, hopefully the, er, the, the Heavenly Father, to say, you're more than this, and God has called you, and this is who you really are, um, to see and call out the Imago Dei in them, the image of God in them, because, you know, it's. And I think this has been proven that once you get to five, six, seven years old, you, you know, you begin to learn how to be a poser, and you don't live out of your true self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as, a, as an earthly father, my, my prayer 
our prayers, Cheryl and I's prayers for our kids over the years got simpler and simpler, but they would just simply kind of be, uh, Lord, would we, we just pray for the, his destiny over each of the kids and his identity over each of the kids. And so, again, as much as we as earthly parents kind of wanted to kind of manage our kids and, and raise them so that they were kind and responsible and, um, you know, whatever, it's like, that's not, that's, those are, those are kind of weak <laughs> prayers, if, if you will, or thoughts, but, but we, we just say, Lord, what is, what is each unique child's identity and how can we partner with you to encourage those things and grow those things in them and call them out yeah. and, and remind them when they need to be reminded yeah. of like, I, I don't even know who I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, who, where I'm going. Yeah. So I love that. It, it's a hard, it's a nuanced thing to put a finger on, isn't it? Because we do have this cultural like you do you, yeah. which is just kind of the same as judges. Everyone did what they felt right. like, yeah. you know. Um, but there's a, there's a sort of holy sanctified like God actually knows what's when you strip away the layers of that's dysfunctional, that's a bit of brokenness, that's a bit of sin, you know, that there's a kernel of something not generic, but actually unique that he has purpose for. Yes. That and and part partly he wants to partner to reveal it, but he also wants to partner to realize it. Like that verse, you know, where you know, with a poem, you know, that he wants to, yeah. to write. Yeah. So I, I feel like I just asked you a ton of questions, so you guys can chip in on this. Yeah. It's it's interesting that, you know, if that's what the Father's like, why is it that Christians and churches and Christianity has this reputation where so many people are like, oh, I could never do that? Because, and, and actually a lot of people leave church saying, I just felt like, you know, it was trying to make me be someone I'm not. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like why... How is this going so wrong? <laughs> like, how is this not coming across? Um, have you ever like spoken to people who've, you know, experienced something like that? Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one to me. That I'm listening to you say it, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. But in the back of my mind is this voice going like, yeah, but so many people don't experience this when they my, come to church. Yeah, for sure. And the, I think as humans, my first response to this, as humans, I think we tend to go to one extreme or the other. We tend to live in the world of either or, and our God a lot of time is living in the world of both and. Mm. So there's this, again, this concept of um, with the, the people Jesus encountered of not being shamed, mm-hmm. but being convicted, um, totally accepted, but yet called to live something higher. So again, we tend to say, oh, I'm free, God has set me free, and that becomes our, our mantra, and we're just all about our freedom, forgetting what he has set us free for, mm-hmm. you know, which is basically to serve. So yeah. again, freedom, servant, it, it, there's so much paradox in our faith yeah. that gets it gets challenging at times. But again, yeah. it's it's I think part of it for me is like we live as humans in this either-or world, and, and God's world is both and. Yeah. Um, what sense. about you, Tim? Been a pastor a long time. Yeah. Like sat with a lot of people, talked with a lot of people. Yeah, I think honestly, this is like one of those places where I feel like the, my, almost like my theology actually affected my parenting, almost like in the other direction because mm. of working with so many people who were, you know, lost in, you know, broken understandings of who they are and, um, 
and honestly living with so much shame, you know, and not, I mean, sometimes over like big things, but some, but often not just, just kind of caring. I feel like our culture just puts like this general backpack of shame on every single person. And so, so many people are wrestling with that. And so then, you know, they kind of, I think people come into the church with the expectation of like, that God is different. God, God treats people different than that. I mm-hmm. think it's in somewhere deep in our, our Imago day, our, our, you know, image bearing part of us. We know that God is different than that. And yet then when we hang out with a bunch of Christians or we hang out with, you know, maybe, maybe this person that we served with or whatever, uh, and they treat me just like another broken human, you know, or, or they, because they themselves are broken and dealing with mm-hmm. their own shame dealing with their own misunderstandings of themselves and who Jesus is and who the father is, uh, they, they hurt somebody and they're like, Oh, so the church is just, so God must be just like this too, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, you do, we definitely deal with that. You know, I, I think one of the things that John alluded to that actually both John and Dave, you both pointed at this. So just the idea that like you get into those moments and you allow the Holy Spirit's voice to finally like break through and you, can hear like God's identity, you realize, oh, wait. So even in a church, even in the family, like there is going to be broken understandings of who we are, but that doesn't set the stage for what God says about who I am, you know? And I, I know for myself, like uh, walking through a season where, um, you know, deep discouragement, uh, feeling really alone or very isolated and having one of those moments where the, it was like I just quieted my soul enough to hear God say, "Like, this is who you are. You, mm-hmm. you are my son. I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. Like, yeah. you're not alone. You know. Yeah. And and tasting that refreshing cold water in the desert, uh, and then realizing, like, oh, this is the way the family is supposed to operate. Mm. And that's on, like I said, on both levels, both the family of God and our church, but also me as a dad. So I don't. There may be models of parenting out there, which basically is like I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold my love at bay from you, to punish you for mm-hmm. your mistakes. You've made a mistake, and in, until you can rectify, build a bridge between you and me, then you can have this love back. But I'm gonna hold on to it until you're you've rebuilt that bridge, and it's on you. By the way, you've got to build that bridge, and like, I mean that's like anti-gospel. I mean that's mm-hmm. basically the opposite of the gospel. You know, God's like, there is a gap between us actually caused by you, but I'm going to build the bridge between myself and you, and then I'm going to cross the bridge and go to you and, and like enfold you and bring you back across the bridge with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do all of that, you mm-hmm. know? And when we start to rightly understand the gospel, our ability to both comfort and encourage gets transformed. Because suddenly we realize like God literally, he sets aside so much to get at our hearts. Yeah. Not because he's okay with sin. I mean, that's the, that's the pharisaical argument that's screaming in the background, right? But aren't you just, that, that's just making sin okay. That's just making sin. No, Jesus said like, go and sin no more. Like it's not because he's okay with sin. It's because he knows that the path towards healing is kindness. Mm. It's mercy. It's comfort. It's, it's encouragement. Yeah. That is the path to the cross. That yeah. is the path to healing in our relationship. Yeah. It's interesting in the midst of that, you both mentioned shame mm-hmm. as well. 
it's it makes me think about adam and eve hiding like unable to be vulnerable with each other and with god immediately you know they sin yeah and uh just in our culture like this would be a great time to have an anthropologist on hand but (laughs) like so much of our cultural rules are based around um like the I mean, it's like why people talk about the weather. It's like we've got a socially agreed upon topics of conversation so we don't threaten shaming each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in churches sometimes we have our, a, a subculture of like ways of interacting with each other where we treat each other according to our aspirational image instead of our reality. Yeah. You know, and before you, and it just empowers shame. Mm. Um, and like, if you ever had someone encourage you, or like, uh, in, in the sense you're talking about, Dave, of like, speak identity, and that that being that voice in your head that said, "Yeah, but you don't know who I really am." Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And so yeah, you're like, you, actually, I don't feel encouraged. Yeah. I, I resist that. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about the Father in heaven is that doesn't work on him. Yeah. You can't turn around <laughs> yeah, to God exactly. and be like, "Yeah, but you don't really know me." <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know me better than I know yeah. myself. Yeah. So. Yes. That's one of the especially beautiful things, I think, about we, encouragement from the Father. For sure. We can't ever <laughs> say that, and we also can't ever say what I've let slip occasionally in my life, which is uh, my one of my life verses is Hebrews 4, that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but mm-hmm. we have one who has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet as without sin. And if it stopped there, it would be kind of like that old... Um, hey, I've done it, so you can do it too. So buck up and just you know, <laughs> yeah. you toughen up. But it's not what it says. It goes on to say, "So let us therefore approach the throne of grace." And I love it that it's a throne mm-hmm. of grace with confidence, so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So his just invitation is: I under, I, I not only know and see what you're going through, I can sympathize. I've, I've been rejected, I've been mistreated, I've been misunderstood, I've been killed. Mm. Um, so I know, so come to me, because yeah. I, have, I have what you, what you have. And I, I, if I can take a quick sidebar too, I just, I just so appreciate the teaching team here at our church. I've always loved that. Just almost every, every message, is there's a little window of vulnerability there Definitely. that just allows us and to and I think it, it breaks down a little bit that um, uh, of, of of shame a little bit. And it's like mm-hmm. it invites other people. Vulnerability is such a beautiful thing um, when we open up and, and and trust God with that. But I just honor and and, and bless and, and so appreciate the, the teaching team here yeah. at West Side because I feel like they model that. They don't they 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 open up and are are willing to be vulnerable to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Yeah, um, in that I love that. All right, well, we better speed up here because we've talked for... We're approaching an hour. So my homework was exhort. Okay. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I was trying to pick apart um, why my mind went where it did. Because I think partly being a teacher colors my, uh, my feelings about exhortation. Um, but... It actually, it made me think, well, it made me think plus it was like somewhere I was in in my Bible reading. You know how God times things, tunes things up. But it's in the beginning of Titus where uh, Paul uh, is talking about his work, which 
then that joins up with the we we did as fathers um in the ministry um but he says um he's working f- for the sake of growing their faith and their knowledge of the truth and that uh, and that those two things produce godliness that has a hope of eternal life so it's like the 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 truth is getting out like because when i think of exhortation i i think a lot of like putting a stake in the ground for something that's that's right or that matters or putting margins of like well that's that's a boundary marker um but but it's truth on a journey and i think that's one of the things um again the sort of caricature of religion you know <coughs> people may be like oh i could never go to church it's just a bunch of rules and it's like, yeah, that's what you think exhortation is. Like, that's pants. Like, no one wants that. Um, but it's it's truth on a journey and and acknowledging the journey you're on. Um, and it's yeah, I, I think there's a a part of me as a kid that was very analytical and abstract thinker. You know, why I just wanted to like be able to have a a book in my head where I wrote down all the true things but not really on any sort of journey um of of and it producing the godliness but also it's it's not even just that because that's just moralism Mm -hmm. it's producing godliness because we're going to be eternally with our god Mm-hmm. like we're we're on a journey of becoming because that's actually the relationship we're gonna increasingly inhabit as a as a primary one and so i i think and those are the things that you know i they they challenge me as a dad you know to not just be someone who's like oh my job is to lay down the law mm-hmm. but like you know what does it look like to help a kid understand why i want to have a conversation about a stake we need to talk about that we need to we need to wrestle with getting in the ground but like understand what to do with it Mm. so it can produce the right thing and help help them figure out how to allow it to produce something um and 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 the reason why like to to put it within a, a narrative and a story um, because as Christians, we've got a better one. Mm. Like we don't have to have one, you know, there's the sort of selfish ones of like all the things you tell your kids because you just are f- fed up of their mess and you want to make your life easier. Like that's a thing. Um, or all, you know, the story of like, well, you've got you to learn this to be successful or you've got to learn this to survive. Or and, it, it's, and it's not that those things are like from the pit of hell and total lies. It's just that, they're not they're not the story Mm. they're just like little aspects of the story but they're not the story and they they're not that meaningful and valuable you know they're not true enough to really anchor uh sort of the the meaningful growth that is actually valuable you know that isn't just a a shallow pale reflection of being a really good human Mm. and so yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, I think when we think of exhort, we often think of someone like stood on the soapbox, calling calling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
and, and it's something I then really appreciate, you know, in, in God's way of doing things, you know, like, um, like the way the Holy Spirit works, you know, he's a revealer of truth. Um, and, you know, one way that could be is like Holy Spirit walks in the room. It's like, hey, shut up. Listen to me. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. All right. I'm out of here. You guys got to think about that, yeah. you know. But actually the Holy Spirit comes and he with so much gentleness uh, shows us something. Dave's looking really embarrassed because his phone's going off. <laughs> shows us something. Um, but then shows us how to respond to it. Yeah. And that's like that's a really common prayer for me. Um uh, all over the place, parenting, myself. Uh, I, I, something I pray every Sunday when we get to praying for the teaching of the word um, in pre-gathering prayer. Yeah. It's like a common thing with like Jesus, show people like how to respond. Because I think when the Holy Spirit is revealed as this revealer of truth, mm-hmm. it is um, re- like revealing how to connect to truth. And yeah. so exhortation for me has all these kind of overtones and um, yeah, that like the father has this master plan of yeah. a, a journey he wants to take us on and a strategy, you know, he's, he's, he's just so masterful at knowing how and when to say the right thing. Um, and that's something that I did not learn from my own parenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something I learned in contrast to my own parenting of like so many times not knowing that was the right time and things like that. But it, I think there's something actually about being a dad that elevates the awareness of just how deeply we need that and how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like how grateful that we actually have access to a father who like knows us inside out, back to front and is involved enough you know that that comfort intentionality mm-hmm. with the heart of an encourager to actually press in with us i think see that's i think that's where the key is is that like i love the fact that paul strung all three of these ideas together mm-hmm. because like I, I mean and maybe this it comes out, it comes out a little bit cliche but like having spent an, a lot of time on the sidelines watching my two boys playing or, and actually even my two boys playing football and McKenzie doing lacrosse. Like I've heard coaches say really hard things in very intense ways and kids just roll with it. They're just like, Oh yeah. Okay. I do need to change that. Like uh, the way I'm doing that is just, I've got to change that, you know? And I, and you just sit there going like, if I ever said anything like that to you, you'd be like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to, you know? And I, and I, and especially when it's a good model, like, I just realized that, like, what's what's going on here? Well, it's because the coach, ma- the good coaches match the the tough stuff alongside the good stuff. Like, like they're 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 encouraging. They're the ones that come out onto the field when the person when the the kid gets hurt and is like, "Are you okay? Are you going to be okay?" You know, kind of thing. Like, a good coach is matching exhortation alongside of encouragement, alongside of comfort. And they're doing it in a way that, like you're saying, Richard, is actually heading somewhere. It's mm. not just moralism. It's like, I'm trying to make you into a better player, mm. you know? And I think that's kind of like, I mean, that's why it's such a great metaphor. I mean, and Paul even uses the metaphor of ath- athletics in different ways. I think it's such a good picture that way because it's there is a goal in mind to mm. win, you know? And in our case, the goal Jesus has is like, you're a part of my family. You're a, you're a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter. 
And I'm, I've actually literally put the, my mission inside of you to go do something about this. And there's an intended goal. So I'm not just trying to make you good. I'm trying to actually make you into a good kind of human, a good, that goodness would literally leak out of your pores onto those around you. Mm. Like it's transformational, you know? And yeah. I think it's when those three ideas are all linked together, we see it at its best. Like, yeah, God doesn't leave us how we are. He loves us way too much for that. Yeah. I love that. And Richard, I think you said you you highlighted the word growth earlier, and that's our God is always, <laughs> he's always moving. Um, and I and I got called out on this as a, as a dad several times again by by the Holy Spirit. Is that and, was on the phone. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, Cheryl, which is you know, but John just so free advice. It's like I I got caught several times because I think I always wanted to know, okay, what's the parenting playbook? You know, just mm-hmm. God, just tell me tell me what the playbook is, what the rules are, how I do this. Um, and, and maybe I would have some success. And I just remember again, another Holy Spirit moment when my oldest was, she was maybe 13 at the time, but I was really struggling to kind of connect with her. And, and it's like, I'm doing all the things I, I, I used to do. And it's like, as soon as I said, that, I like, ah, yeah, I used to do, mm-hmm. I, I was parenting her like an 11 year old and she's 13 now. And I, I had stopped growing and kind of moving mm, with yeah. the Lord, and I feel like that's a, a big thing of a yeah. father. And just when you said, Tim, just a coach knows what's needed at, yeah. at any given time, but just that reliance on the Holy Spirit and growing and moving with Him and moving as our kids grow, is, yeah, that's, that's, that's what the, how the Lord deals with us as well. And it's such a hard thing to do. Because, mm. I mean, you'll get this, John, of like, you work so hard at like finding some way to get three hours sleep between yeah. 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., you know, or something. Yeah. And uh, and just at the moment, you feel like, oh, I think we figured it out. Something changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so right from the I get-go, right through so to true. being the end of being a teenager, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. just really hard as a parent where you just... And that's that's where maybe, again, the, the contrast is like earthly parents. Um, we feel like, oh man, like I, I don't know if I'm up for the next challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. man, I'm running on fumes. Yeah. Like I just learned that and that was just I feel like I was just recovering. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that, and now oh it's another challenge already. Mm-hmm. But the father is just inexhaustible yeah. in his resources. And so we never ever need to worry. Um, yeah, but God's so playing catch up or that. something. So good. Yeah. Well, we got to spend just a few minutes to finish because there's a really important thing we haven't talked about. We did talk about people who haven't got kids, can't have kids, things like that. But there's a lot of people, um, and like you said a phrase earlier, something like my own father, which was an interesting relationship. You know, like, um, and uh, like Tim, I know like your. Uh, you know, upbringing, your parents went through a lot of transformation. So you almost got to see like two really different versions of your dad, different mm-hmm. relationships. Uh, I've got a hot mess of stuff. I haven't asked you about it, John, so I don't know, but it's just, no, you know, <laughs> sat, sat around a table. Um, it, it's one of those interesting things, uh, you know, if you had a poor father figure in your life. Uh, and this was profound for me. Um, like my uh like well my my mom actually had to take me and my brother and flee from my dad we had to go on the run and hide mm. 
like there was you know abuse mental illness like all, all sorts of stuff and and at an early age but then i remember um sitting around and a guy who was a mentor when i was like a baby christian and he's like hey richard like i really think like god wants to show you he's a father and that was not good news mm. like i was angry and i was frustrated and i wanted to run away from that conversation um i was angry at the person but i was angry at god I was, there was a little bit of me that was like god how dare you reveal yourself through something i don't have access to it's like you've decided to cut me off mm. you know it's just so frustrating and so i like i had to i mean it's a mixture of things i i had to exercise some faith and be like well god's been good so far um I'm going to have to believe that he's able to do something about this um, and that he's he's able to over overcome it. Um, and really exercising that faith was the thing that healed the, you know, the little disruption in relationship with the father where I was like, you know, like the three-year-old, I'm going to turn my back on you and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. give you the cold shoulder. Um and so some reconciliation was needed, and I think faith brought that. Um, just believing that he was he is able to overcome that. And and it's a little bit again of like um what I mean, and by this stage my my dad was dead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the possibility of reconciliation and redemption of that relationship was gone. But then what God actually did is showed me like the other ways he had to show like you know what being a father would be like mm. and it and it was the church primarily and people in the church and a little bit like watching families but a little bit of like allowing people to to be expressions of the father to me mm. um but but even um you know i think it's just it's been a matter of ongoing faith like when i first became became a dad there was that like voice sat on my shoulder it was like and you won't be able to do this Mm. you know because you don't have access to this and so yeah it's a it's a real interesting one i'm just aware very aware on sunday there'll be some people who be like well that's great but that's not for me um and isn't that just like the enemy's voice yeah just to like yeah tell us like I mean, the enemy's got two big lies. One is God is not good. And the other is like, oh, he's good, just not to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so that was, I, I remember it very vividly, like sat in a circle at a Christian festival and, you know, that experience mm. of just feeling so upset with God. Mm. And so, yeah. What, what about you guys? Like in your like upbringing and then ha- like you that uh you know it may be different for you guys but that tension between your father trying to be a father and your heavenly father um you know it's the stuff you've wrestled with there or or, or things that helped you in the wrestling um because i guess that's a that's a key thing maybe to finish the podcast with is people who are feeling that tension is like what can help rather than just why i'm going to stop the podcast and feel frustrated (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a great question yeah, I mean, I think like I, um, you know, I, I like probably many people in the church grew up with a human father. <laughs> so, 
one that was making, you know, learning how to be a dad, just like I was yep. learning how to be a dad. And, uh, and I think that that's a part of, that's a part of the reality as kids, you know, so how, how do we wrestle through when our father is, you know, making mistakes because he didn't have, you know, his dad made mistakes, you know? And mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, I, there was a few things that I never had to question with my, with, in my home. I never had to question the fact that my dad loved me. I never had to question the fact that, um, my dad was going to be there for me. You know, he, uh, was, a, he was a kind of a fighter. And so, uh, I, I always knew that was going to be like, he'll be there and he loves me, you know, kind of thing. And then there were other things that just didn't add up there. They just weren't the same. And, and I think, you know, God was moving and re- literally transforming him uh, through my childhood and, and helping him both fall in love with him. Um, but also to help him become who he needed to be, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that change for that st- journey for my dad was one that I, as both his son, but also a son of God, got to like watch and say like, oh, this is what transformation looks like. And this is what it means to grow, you know? And um, I think a lot of young people come to some space, some of them do it in high school, some of them do it in college, where they begin to, they have to make a decision. Am I going to allow my parents to just be people? that are figuring things out mm. and have made mistakes and uh, and allow them to basically show them the grace that God has shown us all the time, you know? And I think, you know, that's the journey, I think, for some people. I mean, I'm, I'm keenly aware of the fact that other people's stories are much more difficult than that, you mm. know? Um, but I do, do know for me, the one of the things that was really helpful was actually focusing on the things that I did learn from my dad that were really... That actually this did resemble God. Yeah. You know, this this looked like my father in heaven. And uh, that was helpful for me, you mm-hmm. know, because um, it, it kind of took my eyes off of the imperfections, you know, because I don't want people looking at my imperfections either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's grace in there, you know. Uh, and then to watch uh, God just do a transforming work and realize, yeah. oh, yeah, God's doing that with me. And there's you know? so much hope in like your experience there because i'm just aware there's another person who might yeah. be listening and you know on sunday or to this and yeah. thinking i've blown it yeah mm. yeah you know and not that your dad was a, a monster who turned into like no, a beautiful no, christian yeah. but but you got to see him develop yeah you, you had that transformation in your family is like they yeah. fell in love with jesus and the change and um you know, I, you're not telling a story of like, oh, and that was terrible. I wish my dad had just been perfect from the beginning. Right. Like actually in the midst of that, God's taught you revealed things and and all the rest. And so yeah. that experience of broken parenthood that God is working in and redeeming yeah. is still a beautiful way that God can reveal himself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that like I've blown it is never, uh, is never the end of the story. Right. You know, it doesn't. Mm-hmm it doesn't cut it off from redemption. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, they, and I like how you said that to Richard. That's also, that extends then to us as dads, mm. right? Because I know that, I mean, there's days that I've looked myself in the mirror and said, like, what have I done? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't believe I just talked to my kid that way or I can't believe I just talked to my, you know, to Brittany that way in front of one of the kids and or whatever. But that's where it's like, oh, yeah, my story is still being told too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I think we'd better wrap it up because if you listen to the end, you've done very well. That's <laughs> quite a long chat today. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that you have some really good thoughts provoked. You've got some things to carry forward into your week, um, meditating on this amazing father that we have in heaven. And that that elevates this advent. Like this is the father who gave his son, sent him in all this humility and you know as we travel past the nativity into oh the life of jesus and everything he does like that's the father expressing himself and so yeah may it elevate your advent and take care we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to this episode of the house of learning podcast This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, Go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.